on, everybody? Welcome back to Quickly Talks. Hello, Daniel. Hey, man. Happy good Friday. Good to see you. Happy good to see Friday. You. Looking good today. You too, Tommy man. Tommy Hilfiger looking at us. Yeah, you know, we're rocking it. Always with the blue. Absolutely. Blue, 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 blue everywhere. Blue. Guys, we've got an amazing guest, but before we get to it, reminder at the top of the episode, share, share, share. Tell a friend in need that wants to listen to this. Tell a business owner in need. Just, just tell people. Guys. I always say it, the more you share, the more value we're going to provide. The more audience, the better guest we will have. So, as we get better every single week, today we have an amazing guest, friend of mine, um, client of mine also, I will say. And I just want to say, Jonathan Berman, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Happy, nice to meet. Happy uh, a post uh, tyranny Friday. <laughs> so actually, um, actually, that would have been last week. The the, the tyranny was last week. So mm-hmm. we've had a week to kind of digest what's been going on. Yeah, uh, tough times, crazy times. I never thought I was going to see that in the greatest country in the world, but um, it is what it is, and we're diving right in. But I think before yeah. we do that, uh, you had you had a question. Uh. Yeah, how are you? Very nice to meet you. Yeah, great meeting you, and yeah, I'm doing great. I feel really good. Uh, I'm halfway through my coffee, so I'm raring to go. I guess before we get into the meat of it, kind of just tell the people on the surface level, who are you? Yeah, so my name is Jonathan Berman. I'm an organizational psychologist by trade, and uh, I'm a, some would say a corporate hack. I've been in the corporate world for many years now. Uh, also, uh, a, a, a parent, uh, also someone who has had a lot of different experiences, much like yourself, uh, Logan, you've, you've traveled all over the place. You've lived in a lot of different places. I've also traveled, lived in a lot of different places and I, I love life, love music, love my wife. Uh, kids are okay. Um, uh, the dogs. Usually, I find that the I, I I find that I can get along with the dogs better than everybody else, in on a good day. But uh, it's all good. Now you're also a professor at Emory, correct? Yeah. Well, not a professor, so we have to be careful about that because okay. there's a uh, there's a lot to be said about titles. So I I'm an instructor, and specifically I work uh, for Emory Continuing Education. Okay. So Continuing Education is a, a school that allows for anybody who wants to get additional certifications and things they can go to like lean six sigma if you want to learn about uh, operational optimization things like that um, hr certifications uh, a lot of the courses that i teach are on leadership uh you know management uh delegation motivation team building okay titles so perfect to be here perfect for our audience um, talk to me a little bit about the psychology part. What exactly do you do when it comes to that? If I'm a dummy and I don't know anything about it, how could you explain it to me? Sure. Uh, well, I, I, I'm going to yes, honor I, the conversation I, that we had earlier. Yes. That, uh, so much like you have a physical therapist that would work with your body to improve your body. So let's just say you want to work on your endurance. Psychologists work with your mind to help you process things better. Uh, much like a nutritionist would work on a plan so 
you have more energy, so you're eating better foods, you have less digestive problems. Uh, a psychologist will work with you to help you think things through better. Mm-hmm. And there's no difference between the body and the brain. Some people make it out the brain to be this spiritual sort of organ that has all these uh, mystical elements to it. It's not true. Your brain is like a muscle. And as I was talking to Logan earlier, uh, the more you do with something, the better you become at it. Right. So if you work out your biceps, yeah, you're going to get big biceps and your legs are just going to fall apart, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to be as balanced. It's the same thing with worrying. So if you worry a lot, if you focus a lot on worry, you become really good at that. And that becomes your default position. So if you were raised in an environment where people, your parents, oh, I'm worried. I don't know what's going to happen because, you know, Logan's grades aren't that good. So Logan's going to inherit that neurosis. That will be his default position. Um, There's this uh, part of the brain called the reticular activating system. And the reticular activating system is your programming. Mm -hmm. That's what you pay attention to. That's what you focus on. So you kind of neurohack them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, neurohack. So th- that actually plays into a bit of a, you know, we were jokingly call it, calling it tyranny that happened last week. But those folks who, you know, perhaps with good intentions, feel threatened. And that threat could have come from the programming that they had either earlier in their life, you know, that like either white is right or you know what, country first, and our country is under attack by these things I don't understand, that's now, viewed as a threat. Now, so you guys understand exactly what we're talking about here. And today's subject, we want to dig deep into what it's happening here in America and what happened at the Capitol, uh, what's happening to our brothers, and, and why our country is so divided. And I think Jonathan is a perfect person to sort of put his input into this conversation because first of all his background his professional background and as well as him as a person you know I I we were talking you were married to an Ecuadorian you grew up in different states uh when you were a child you grew up in an Afro-American community um so and you're a white male so all these things bring you back to analyzing and knowing hey, you might be the perfect person to talk to those ones that are upset, that are worried, that have been working with these neuro uh, problems from back in the day since they were kids and they grew up like this. So a question that I ask is, as a white male, if you go down to, and I don't mean to get a stereotypical, but let's just try it for visualization purposes. We go down to Alabama. And a house that is flying a Confederate flag. That mom and dad just got back from the Capitol, from storming the Capitol, and they're strong believers in what they think and say. And you're at a bar. And we're playing this game now, right? You're at a bar, and you're hanging out with dad. He's got two young boys that are possibly learning exactly what they're doing and what their beliefs are. And you feel in the bottom of your heart that you want to talk to him as a psychologist, as a friend, what would you say to this guy? Let's call him James. What would you say to James to make him realize that what is happening is wrong? 
Yeah, so that's the operative question of the day, right? Um, how do we how do we connect? How do we create that common ground? How do we create common ground with people that we just maybe violently disagree with? The first thing you shouldn't do is start judging. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the worst thing you can do. We all know we feel that right when people are judging us. Yeah, do you want to hug that person after that? Uh, no, defensive, right? Of the right, back. you feel like mother, you know. So, cast your judgment aside. Realize that we are all, all of us, victims of our childhood. All of us are victims of our childhood. And what I mean by that is that reticular activating system. That was your programming from the time that you were a kid. So, when you're being raised, you were raised with certain notions of the world wouldn't you wouldn't you agree to say that more than just a childhood problem it's more also of a community of a culture of years and years what would you say to that well yeah absolutely it's so from the time you're five to 25 generally speaking there's a the formative years right so from five to 25 the reticular activating system anatomically your brain is just starting to harden so by the time you're in your late 20s, your brain is kind of hardened. Your preconceived notions, your biases have kind of solidified. It takes a lot of time and energy to go past those biases that you might have. So, you know, I want to get back to that question of, you know, what would I do if I were in Alabama and I, a guy's wearing a Confederate flag and, you know, let's just go there with the stereotypes, the camo, and maybe he's, he's packing a Glock. Yep. Um, uh, you know, or Smith and Wesson, I guess, would uh-huh. be more the apropos for Alabama. Sure. So if, if he had that, how would I approach that? Well, I would just start asking questions. Uh, I would probably buy him a beer. I would say, like, hey, let's find common ground here. Um, I wouldn't say that to him, but I would, I would say, like, hey, you got two beautiful boys. Hey, do you, do you like to hunt? Yeah, I love hunting. All right, let's talk about it. So when's hunting season down here? Uh, so how do you prepare the venison? So I would talk about anything that we have in common. Personally, I love venison. I think it's fantastic meat. We would probably have that in common. He's got two boys. So, hey, how are you raising your kids? Oh, I'm raising to be good Americans. It's like, what, what is a good American? You know, I, I would just like to hear from them. Most of us live unexamined lives. We don't really get a chance to think through what we think. So I think for us as ambassadors of, of rationality and goodwill, just asking simple questions on like, oh, that's interesting. You know, what, why, why do you feel that way? Where did that come from? Absent the judgment. What I hear from a lot of journalists, what I hear from a lot of folks on either end of the political spectrum is questions like that often smack of judgment. Well, why would you think that? All right. You're not going to win friends with that. So instead, I was just like, "That's interesting." You know, what? Where did you Where did you get that from? Well, you know, I was raised to. If I were talking to, and I'm, I do, I do, I talk to people from rural parts of the United States all the time. And first thing I'll talk about is I'll talk about my hunting dogs. So I have two hunting dogs. I have a Bichelet and a German short hair pointer. They're beautiful. I've met them. Remember? Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so 
anybody that's into hunting is going to be like, those are beautiful dogs. It's like, yeah, I love my dogs. Got common ground. So first thing, when you are trying to get a point across or trying to make a common ground with somebody, what I'm hearing so our audience understands it clearly, let's find some common ground. Let's find something that we both like, something that we can talk about together and agree upon. Yeah. And then... It, and then just have a genuine conversation. Um, don't be someone you're not, you know, uh, and pull the judgment away. That That's the biggest challenge I think that we all have. Right. I feel like we'd be in a lot better place if we had conversations that didn't have the, why would you think that? Instead of, well, where does that come from type situation? Where'd you learn that? Yeah. 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 You know, th- that's interesting. Where did that come from? Yeah. And it's, Logan, it's so hard to do. It is. Because if you tell me something I disagree with right now, I'm immediately in the back of my head going like, that's not true. Right. That's not true. But it's true to you. Now, why is it true to you? Did your grandparents teach your parents that, which taught you that? Or did you figure that out on your own in college? Or did you, you know, whatever. Fox Fox News maybe taught you that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean. We're, we're, we're all influenced by a, a variety of things. How we got to where we are today is there's rarely like a solid line that goes from point A to point B. It's usually a trajectory that kind of looks like, the, of course, people can't see what I'm doing, <laughs> but with my finger, I'm making a, a zigzag line. So rarely who we are as people is not the result of like just one thing. It's a result of multiple things. For us to progress uh, as people and as society, we need to challenge our preconceived notions. We need to challenge that reticular activating system. Um, We need to challenge our programming from time to time. A lot of people don't want to do that. Now, here's a tougher question. How do we do this as a society? How do we reprogram these angry mobs? Yeah, well, that's uh, slow and steady wins the race. Um, And to get somebody to start thinking things through in a different way often just starts with, you know, I I do coaching. So uh, uh, the base practice of of coaching is asking provocative questions to get people to think differently. Again, we're on automatic. So much of our thoughts and, and notions of things Colombians are this way. Ecuadorians are this way. Yeah, he told me I came in a donkey with some coffee today, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the stereotypes. The stereotypes that, that we need to pass forward. The stereotypes that, you know, we as Americans need to realize that everybody's looking the same. Yesterday, for example, we were watching TV with my girlfriend. And we were realizing that all the commercials had mixed race <coughs> people in it. So you would see a black guy with a white girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You would see a Latina with a Indian guy. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize it when you see it at first. But I know that, for example, and we can start digging into another subject that we have here in our list, and is the old versus new, the millennial versus boomer, and I think the millennial mindset, and we are the first ones who are starting to put that kind of stuff away. 
right? We are the first ones as millennials that are saying, dude, we don't care what color you are. We don't care where you come from. Can you get the job done? And this is talking now in the workforce. So all the commercials that I'm talking about were new commercials and were commercials that were on Hulu. So you know for a fact that they were driven and their audience was most likely us, our, the millennial ground. And, and I know that you're an expert at this. And I know that you work with many companies to make that happen, that transition from the old school to the new school. And how are we bringing this together? So first, one thing is put the stereotypes away. Fix what's happening as a society. Because most of the people that were storming the Capitol, I promise you, they were possibly above 40, 40 years old. I want to say, if, if the, I don't know the numbers, but I'm taking a wild guess here. And I'm thinking it, it's probably more than... Judging four. from the pictures, I didn't see very many young college-aged Republicans storming the Capitol. It looked like dudes that were in their mid to late 30s or 40s. So do we need to wait for you guys to die so we can just get <laughs> along? <laughs> well, that would be the most expedient. Um, uh, slow it, and steady, you know? <laughs> it's slow and steady. Yeah, yeah so, so, well, changing, changing people... Um, is difficult. Changing society is even more difficult because society is just a bunch of people. So uh, it's it's got to be a consensus. And we haven't had a consensus in this country for a while. We, we had a consensus when I was growing up. So I'm 54. When I was growing up, there were three major channels on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody saw the same shows. Everybody saw the same news. Everybody saw Walter Cronkite. So this uh, shared value system that we had existed at one time. You know, the nation mourned when JFK was shot. Almost everybody, you talk to anybody from all political stripes at that time, and they said this is a terrible thing. They agreed that this was a terrible yep. thing. Uh, my wife and I were just watching a movie about uh, RFK, about uh, Robert, Robert Kennedy. Was it um Bobby? Oh, I'm thinking about what the movie was called. Was it called Bobby? I think it was called Bobby. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'm thinking it? of a something, a something different. Yeah. Where, uh, where were you watching it? Uh, we're watching it in our our, our uh, nest uh, at home. No, no, no. Like platform. Platform. Oh, uh, this thing called DVDs from the library. <laughs> what is that? Uh, What's uh, a disc? Yeah, What's right? a disc. <laughs> By the way, that was my wonderful millennial wife who... who it got the DVD from the library. <laughs> What's a library? I, I know. It's this <laughs> Those weird collection of books. Still? They do. They're they not do. all out of business. And, and you know, it's funny. The funny thing is I'm 54, right? So I'm just like, hey, just let's just go on Netflix. Let's just go on Hulu. And yeah. my wife is like, well, no, I'm going to go to the library. And it's just like, you're, you're 36 years old and you're going to the library. That's cool. God bless. <laughs> Kudos to you. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have a mini library in my house. So I, I do try to, I just purchased five new books yesterday. So it's not, it's not behind. I think we're catching on to it again. It's kind of like books are turning what um, vinyls were. Yeah. Right. So vinyls mm -hmm. went away and now they're coming back. Full you know, circle. It's, it, it's that's what's happening with books. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh so the, the, you know, again, the key operative question, you know, how, do, how, how do we, how do we get, how does progress happen? How, how does change happen? It, it is slow and steady. Um, we need to have a shared value system. That, that's a big enabler. 
if we don't have a shared value system, it becomes very difficult. And arguably, um, the development of social media has greatly disrupted our ability to create a shared value system. So everybody has their own channel, right? So we used to have just three channels that everybody in the United States shared. Um, now we've got 350 million in the United States. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got their own soapbox. Everybody, Everyone's got their own mic. Right. A and, and we're looking to just confirm the biases that we already have. We're not looking to challenge our perception of things. Um, so I would say that if there is one thing that we, de we do as a society need to gravitate around, and that is that diversity is good, and it's okay to be challenged. It's okay for us to disagree. Um, as a matter of fact, that's what we need. But we need to be able to talk about it as human beings, and we need to not judge each other. You know, like, you know, for, for me to say, oh, people from Illinois, you know how they are, you know, they're, <laughs> it's, it's, they're just used to, like, wind and corn. You know, that's, that's all they care about is wind and corn. If I hear one more time about wind and corn, I'm going to go crazy. So we just need to put that aside and be like, well, Logan's an individual. Yeah. So I'm sure you care more about just wind and corn. So let's just talk about, hey, what are, what are your favorite foods? Let's just start with, again, the commonality. But, and, uh, and I'm saying this to, to people that probably love social media, social media really is anti-social media. I 100% agree. I disagree. And I'm going to tell you why I disagree. I believe that social media is a new way of hanging out. Now, and I've heard this a lot, and, and I heard it a lot from people that say, oh, you're always on your phone, you're always on your phone, you're not even looking at other people, you're not communicating, you're not talking in person. I don't need to be in person to communicate. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. I don't need to be in person to socialize. Now I can get on a Facebook group. And even though I'm sitting down by myself, I am mentally looking at my phone and talking to other people and socializing with other people. You see kids, and this is very judgmental from, from a lot of people that you go to a party, you go to a little house party, a family party, and usually what happens? You bring your families together and kids sit down in the living room and everybody's got their iPad, everybody's got their phone, everybody's got their stuff, and they're just sitting in their living room. Well, most of those kids are either watching a YouTube video. Most of those kids are on Twitch. That is a platform where it allows you to watch other people play video games. And in all of those platforms, there are chats of kids talking to each other, as well as the comment boxes and things like that. So I don't agree that it's antisocial. It's just that it's changing. And because you don't see it physically, tangible, right there, then you believe that they're alone or they're not socializing. Where in the contrary, it's just changing. But humans will always be humans. And the human will always need that approval from another human. So that's my base from disagreeing. I think there's a fine line in finding the right balance, right? Because there's a lot of people that are worried um, that people spend so much time behind the screen that they don't know how to be personable. 
And that's where, uh, and you know, a lot of people are scared even with COVID about having kids being on online school. And if they're on online school, that's great because they can learn from home, but then they won't have that social interaction with each other in the classroom. They won't learn how to share. They won't learn how to compromise at such a young age and it'll destroy the future of America because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's also the fine line of people like Danny, like me, like, uh, like, I like to think there's a lot of people our age that are like this, but people that can be on their phone all the time, 24-7, but then can put the phone down and have a conversation with somebody. I think there's a fine line in between those people and the people that you might be describing that are saying, like, people who are on their phone too much, like you see the people in the street, they're just like this. They're just walking. They glance up every once in a while, and they glance up. Those, those people are the problem. People like us, they can put the phone away. But before, it used to be the newspaper. True. Right. The, the I think the key difference, and I I, I agree with, with with what both of you are saying. Um, it 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 is not necessarily anti-social media. Um, I was being a little provocative, and um, <laughs> I like that. It I is like a, that. Let's it, keep doing that. <laughs> and it is uh, also, I I think a matter of balance. Um, you know, certainly when you're staring at your phone all the time when you're trying to cross the street, don't be surprised when you get hit by a car, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So it, you do need to balance it. My contention is that so much of what we've seen in the news lately has, uh, you know, COVID's complicated all this, of course, is when we are physically distant from one another, we, see, we no longer see each other as human. It, it's called othering. So... If, if I'm not physically connected to you, if I don't see you at the bar, if I don't see you at the coffee shop, but if I see a picture of you, I can other you very quickly. In other words, well, Logan, he looks like he's a pasty Midwestern. And you know about those pasty <laughs> Midwesterns, right? You know how they're... And then, you know, I'd see oh, Daniel, I'd be like, oh, there well... We <laughs> Look at that brown skin. He's probably a Latino. He's probably into cafe con leche. He's probably. So it's very, it's much easier for us to do other. I agree with that. I agree with that a lot. And, and that's the problem. So with a, a lot of these folks, it, and, and again, I, I, I don't, we don't know these people as individuals that stormed Congress. Um, I think that they, many of them were probably swept up in something that they felt very strongly about. And I don't think that at the core, I still don't believe that they were bad people. And I think that if if we were to have them here in this room... I'm looking for one. If anybody's listening that wants to come and join us, um, please. I'd love to to talk to somebody from from there. Because somebody knows one of these people, right? Oh, undoubtedly. There were thousands of them there. Somebody knows someone there. Yeah. And, and let's just, it, it, but the key is, if you were to talk to them over the phone, it, it, it'd be there's that distance. That distance is going to create already like, yeah, you don't understand. Yeah. So we're going to start shouting at each like other. Like the comment boxes on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Ex- yeah. exactly. The keyboard Versus warriors if, out there. If they were here and they saw us and we shared a coffee together, we shared a beer together, uh, I think it would be completely different. Yeah. And, and that that to me is a is a big concern because we were not our brains were not designed for introversion. Our brains were not designed for isolation. 
to your point, children growing up right now are having a, a, a very difficult time because they're wired to be social. Let's play together. Hey, you you do this and I'll, I'll do that. Okay. that That's the way we were all wired. And it's the same for just like tasks and team building. You know, back in when we were in the Neolithic times, when we were cave people, how did we bring down the woolly mammoth? Well, we didn't got do it. that individually. Right. Got we, a squad of 10 of us and then we went and got him. Right. Exactly. Oh, 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we were designed to be communal. We were designed to work together. That's the way our brains are uh, optimally designed for us to be. We're social animals. It's the same thing with wolves. You know, if you take a wolf and you pull them out of the pack, yeah, they're going to die pretty quickly because they're so, it's this pack identity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, those folks who stormed Congress, they have a pack identity. Um, and for us to directly confront the pack, uh, that usually doesn't go well. Now, I do want to switch a little bit to our last question because we're, we're at near in our time here. And this is a tough one. My father asked me this last night. And he knew that um, very business-driven, of course. So he knows that I have some sort of respect for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Okay? And... He always likes to throw bones at me to kind of see what I would react and what, what I would say. And he mentioned our very first and most beautiful right in this country and is our freedom of speech. Donald Trump have been has been banded from Twitter. I think he's not longer allowed Facebook, in Facebook. Instagram. Instagram, YouTube. YouTube. I mean, they're trying Pretty to get him out of. Yeah. I saw, I saw an article. They're trying to get him out of um, Home Alone too. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they're trying to delete his scene. They're trying to delete his scene down forever. the hall to the left. <laughs> and it's tricky here because whether you like him or not, you are violating his freedom of speech. What do you think we do with situations like this? With somebody that has gained so much power. He's the president of the United States of America. And now you're shutting him down. Now you're telling him, be quiet, go hide. What do you think? Can you go into a uh, Starbucks and start yelling that you're going to kill every MFR that you see? Can you, can you do that? Can, you'll probably get in trouble. It's like yelling bomb but on why? an airplane. It's free speech. It's like... Yeah, it's like yelling fire in a movie theater. Can't do that. Right. So wait, are you telling me that there are limitations to what I can say? It's tricky. I think there's, I actually think there's like a line somewhere that says you can say what you can say up to the point of it causing harm to other people. There you go. I, th- I think. Y- 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 like yes. you can burn the American flag all day, every day, but the second you say, I'm going to bust up in that office down the street and kill everybody inside... You should be like, uh, I should probably tell somebody about that, right? He's not just saying that, right? Because he can just say that. So you're right. That that's where um, I think, unfortunately, in the United States, especially, people seem to 
confuse this issue a lot. And they say, well, there's free speech in the United States. I can say whatever I want at any time. And that is not true. That is patently not true. Just um, go to your local grocery store and just start saying, I'm going to kill all of you and see what the limitations on free speech are. You will be locked up. So that also extends, and it should extend, to any public format what, whatsoever. I mean, And his words were sort of like, hey, let's start a revolution. Yeah, um, well, it, w- where it starts getting really tricky is lying um, about things that are just not true. Um, so about the election, you know, saying that there, were, there was massive fraud. Um, there, there's no proof of that, and that's that's been vetted out. So, at, at what point do you say, okay, you as a public official, you you shouldn't be able to communicate that because that's not true? Well, is it directly threatening someone's life? No, it's no. not. Um, could that be used to fuel the fire towards uh, you know people taking over Congress? It it, it could. So there you you have a very dotted line relationship, um, and that's much more tricky. So what's happening now with this technocracy? As uh, we're, uh, I believe we're, we're sort of jumping into, you know, um, in our near future. I do think that there will be a seat for Mark Zuckerberg in the Congress, maybe Elon Musk, maybe Jeff Bezos. Who are these multi-billionaires, and why are they controlling what we do and what we can't see? It almost feels like they're already in Congress because they have all that control. Well, uh, so I think that there's going to be, and usually Democratic administrations are kind of known for this, breaking up monopolies. Um, I I think that we're going to probably see some breakup of all of those people that you mentioned because they're too big. Um, You know, especially I I am, this is me personally, my my thing. So my bias. I know exactly what you're going to say, I think. (laughs) Um, Facebook is absolutely horrific, um, especially the way that they've disseminated so much uh, propaganda, quite frankly. Um, I had a friend of mine, this is a true story, a friend of mine who's a PhD in biochemistry, not a dumb person, and she and I had a conversation, this was almost a year ago, and she said, oh, Jonathan, um, I can't believe what they're doing with these children in Portland. It's just like, what's going on in Portland? They're forcing children to have sex change operations. I'm like, what? Where are, you, where are you getting this from? Oh, it's all over Facebook. I'm like, what? And she sent me this article. The article was generated um, in Russia Times. <laughs> so Russia Times is a, is, a, is a propaganda network for Russia. So in Russia Times, they cre- circulated this bogus article about children being forced to have sex changes in Portland. That's, there's no basis of fact in that whatsoever. But it goes on to Facebook. How long ago was that? That was last year or sometime. So or two years ago, I don't know. This year, or not this year, late of 2020, or in the middle of 2020, they implemented the fact check. And now Facebook, to fix those kind of issues... They don't, they're going to fact check you on everything that you post. And that's root of, you know, where we go back to Donald Trump saying and 
children doing crazy stuff that are not true. So they are fixing this stuff. Um, but I do agree that, you know, they're huge. They're, it's just a way too big of a company. And they're controlling the media. They're literally, like, back in the day, like you said, you only had three channels. We really only have three channels, too. We got YouTube, we got Instagram, we got Facebook. But it's personalized. Right. I didn't have a personalized <laughs> channel three, you know, um, when I was growing up. We all heard the same nightly news. And then, mm -hmm. well, the other thing is the news cycle. So the news cycle now is 24-7. Yeah. So they have to feed, um, you know, arguably the other confound to, to consensus in our society is they have to follow outrage. Um, and there's the old saying, if it bleeds, it reads. Mm -hmm. So th they have to create fear, consternation, you know, how many articles you see where the banner is so and so destroys this person and destroys is on all caps. It's mm -hmm. like they don't destroy the person; they just disagree with them. Yeah. Um, so we have to. I'm gonna, we're going to put in the caption here. I destroyed Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Daniel destroys Jonathan or decimates. Could you make it decimates? I kind of like that a little yeah, bit better. That's better. <laughs> um, obliterates. I. It, how about it decimates, destroys, and obliterates all at the okay. same time? There you go. There's That's the title. Yes. <laughs> because it's, it, you know, this whole idea of nuance, you know, that, that we, can, uh, we can disagree just on the degree to something. Well, we, we've kind of removed that because it doesn't make for good reading for us to slightly disagree about something. Instead, yeah. it's like, oh, Alexandria Ocasio-Ortez is just evil incarnate, and she represents Satan. Well, that grabs headlines. I'm going to read that. I'm not going yeah. to re read that. I just slightly disagree with her Satan? progressive agenda. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and th that's the other thing you put in the title, too. AOC, Worship Satan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It, it's it's a, I, I, with All these things, I would say, and we, we actually started our conversation this morning about this, I still say that these are wonderful times. Um, these are amazing times. And, yeah, I mean, it's a little rough right now, especially, you know, a global pandemic certainly will complicate our lives. And um, still, though, when you look at what's going on throughout the world and you compare this to what was happening 100 years ago, mm. 200 years ago, 500 We're years ago, 1,000, we are in fantastic times. Oh, yeah. God we, bless America. God bless America. And I would say, too, we will get to the point where we as a society uh, value diversity and um, value differences of opinion. Uh, it, it will be, we're going, we're going through growing pains right now. I think mm -hmm. that that's the main thing. Any, any animal that you back into a corner is going to react Negatively. like those folks did storming Congress. So you have people, and I want to kind of get back to this and honor this comment that you made. So uh, I'm 54-year-old white male Republican. I grew up, you know, Republican. My father was an Eisenhower Republican. My father <laughs> was in the Army. He well. grew up very conservative, uh, you know, German roots. Uh, so I, I see that one side that says things are changing really fast. And I don't know if I'm comfortable with it. So th that, I think, is at the core, and that's what like young people such as yourselves and, and diverse people such as yourself 
need to listen to that and understand where that's where they're coming from. Because it's the same thing if you were backed into a corner. How would you react? I'm not saying that the reactions are justified. So let me just be clear in mm-hmm. saying I don't think that they should be storming Congress. I don't think that they should be physically threatening people. Um, I think that they should be voting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should all be voting. And we should all be vocal about those things that we feel passionate about and just be open to a discussion. That's the main thing. The minute that we, uh, absent dialogue, there is violence. Obama had a great quote when he was running, he was campaigning for Hillary back in the day where, you know, there was a conservative that like breached the rally. I'm sure you've seen this and, and everyone starts booing and like throwing stuff at her or throwing it at him or whatever. And he goes, don't attack that person. Just go vote. Yeah, don't, don't boo, vote. Don't boo, vote. Yeah. Exactly. We have a system of democracy. Uh, th- that's uh, at the cornerstone. Now, those people that were saying that there was fraud, you know, okay, let, let, let's investigate this. I don't think that we should ever s- completely dismiss, like, computer voting, right? Yeah. For old people that are not used to working with computers, you know, my mom, you know, my mother-in-law, they're uncomfortable with the technology. For them to think that something might be lurking in that machine or there's a, a Russian hacker, is, is that really unjustified? They should be paranoid about that. We, as a society, should be paranoid. We should investigate these things. And at the same time, we should trust the experts who tell us, no, we went through this process. Um, this went through the judiciary. We had judges take a look at all the evidence, and on balance, we did not see fraud. So, uh, and this is like a separate, I love talking to you guys. This is awesome. I feel like this this, this could be like a Joe Rogan thing where we go on for like four hours. We're not going to do that, guys, <laughs> but but uh, but I, I, I feel like we could talk forever. Because the, the, to me, the biggest threat to our society, to the United States, because I don't see this in other countries, is devaluing of expertise. So something as simple as people not wearing masks. Like, oh, what do these doctors know? All right. Well, they're doctors. doctors. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's just like, okay. Um, So um, if you get injured, where are you going to go? The doctor. You're going to go to the... Why would you go to the hospital? So I'm going to be provocative here and say like, well, if you're a religious person and you don't believe that doctors know what they're talking about, if you get into a car accident... Go to church. Go to church, right? No. No, no one will do that. Everyone will go to the hospital if they're severely injured. Why? That's where the science is. Mm-hmm. So we as a society, we do need to better embrace expertise and science. That, to me, is the probably the biggest threat that we have. I'm not necessarily concerned with, and by the way, I'm just going to say this because I thought it was funny. Uh, Chris Rock the other day uh, said it was... Um, it was the attack of Duck Dynasty uh, on Congress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so wouldn't surprise me if those dudes were there. Wouldn't nope. surprise me at all. But, you know, hey, uh, it was a great show. Um, it was. I, I watched it. I enjoyed I it. Admit, I yeah. got to admit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I myself have gone duck, duck hunting before, so I think it's cool. <laughs> um, but the devaluation of expertise to me is just – that that is frightening. Uh, 
like climate change. Oh, what do these people who've been studying meteorology for <laughs> 50 years, what do they know? Um, uh, well, everything they've studied. Yeah. That's like saying a brain surgeon. Oh, what do they know? I, oh yeah. I, he tells me I have brain cancer and aneurysm. What does he know? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, I saw on parlor. It said that I just should take aspirin, right? I mean, <laughs> they're taking down parlor too. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Some aspects of the changes that are going on with this, uh, I I do bristle at a little bit. Um, now, from what I understand, the reason why that they're taking down Parler is, and and there was somebody who was uh, from Amazon, was it Amazon Web Services that mm. that shut them down? Mm. They said, well, they're directly threatening members of Congress. So there's posts in there saying. I'm going to kill Nancy Pelosi, and this is how I'm going to do that. Oh, well, they should take that down, or should they just ban that user? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it it depends on how deep it is. So if it, yeah, if you see a comment, if you see twenty thousand comments of twenty thousand people, do you ban all twenty thousand people? Uh, yeah, versus banning the millions yeah. of people on the app. Because then it bec- it does become a conspiracy. It becomes sedition. So you've you've got an organized it? group. Still, uh, talk about organized groups. There was a there was a time where a bunch of child pr- predators had a Facebook group, right? And they would oh, talk yeah. about getting pizza. Yeah. And instead <laughs> of getting pizza, they were getting little kids. I want some pizza. And Real that pizza. was that was insane to me, you know. And and what did Facebook do? Shut the group down, call FBI, and they went knocking doors. Didn't ruin it for everybody that's there on Facebook Still using Facebook. it properly. Paying them a lot of money every month. <laughs> 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 so, you know, it's it's how you handle things. But, you know, Jonathan, I just want to say thank you, thank you very much for coming here today. Uh, I think we're reaching our mark here. Uh, anything else that you would like to say? No, other than thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. This is a great way for me to start my weekend. Um, and I, I just really appreciate it. This awesome. Is, this is We'd great. love to have awesome. you back. Yeah, this man. was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, any any Friday, great way to start our weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody, go share, 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 uh, and rate and review. Tell a friend. Follow us on Instagram, Quickly Media, for updates. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Guys, please, 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 please make your comments. Let us know what you thought about this and share. Goodbye. Thank you.